0: intro. <laughs> yeah, this this is, is an intro. This
1: is not going to... Um Get edited out of the show, by the way. Uh, Uh, Welcome to (laughs) Side Talks. Um, My name is Corey Craft, I think. Um, This is a podcast that I am the co-host of, and I don't need any further prompting. Uh, I totally know where I am and who I am and what I'm doing.
0: I think we get passes for everything. We're in the middle of a never-ending pandemic.
1: (laughs) And I, in fairness, was trying to pull up a list on my phone (laughs) to talk about in a minute. And uh, we started rolling, and Rachel looked at me, and I was like, oh... It's oh. my turn to talk.
0: Let's pause right now and take a minute to talk about our sponsor, Revelator Coffee. We love you so much, and thank you for forgiving us for this intro. Let's talk about movies. I'm Rachel Morgan. That's Corey Kraft. Here we go.
1: And now, a look at what we're watching this week. Corey. Yes.
0: Let me tell you what I'm watching. Please. And then I'm going to ask you what you're watching. Okay. Mine's going to be fairly brief.
1: Mine's going to be fairly long.
0: Oh, boy. Well, I've been—I had the honor of being on the Nashville Film Festival documentary jury. Excellent. And I saw many, many great films on that on that jury. But I'm actually gonna, you know, just encourage you to go look at the Nashville Film Festival website and maybe even attend that film festival if you are able to. I wish
1: I could. I love Nashville. I yeah. love the Nashville Film Festival. They've been very good to me over the years, and I used to cover it as a journalist
0: programming was programming is exceptional and there were a couple of films that you saw at sidewalk that made this list as well yeah. and of course across the board many films are overlapping um they've very good programming but i'm actually just gonna mostly focus and tell you that i saw Candyman.
1: yeah you you hadn't seen it because you were you it. were doing uh sidewalk film festival stuff yeah and now you've seen it uh did you see it at the sidewalk yeah. cinema
0: I cheated Uh-oh. and I went to the multiplex. Well, I, I really regret not having gone to see it on the big four story screen at yeah. the theater's name who I won't mention in town just because.
1: Because you should come to the sidewalk cinema.
0: I should. But also when you're seeing a blockbuster, sometimes that four story screen lends itself. Look, I've got a I've got love for the multiplex. Sure. Me too. I've got love for sidewalk. It's okay if you guys go to the, every once in a while, the AMC. Just make sure that every time you go to the AMC, you go hit the donut, don't donut. The donate button. (laughs) Y'all, can you tell what I'm really thinking about? Um, Uh, Hit hit the the donut button, (laughs) too, because
1: Rachel needs some donuts.
0: Actually, that's a good note, that we should have right next to the donate button, the donut button for the people to give us food. Absolutely. But anyway, hit the donate button, donate $20, and then you'll feel okay about yourself. (laughs) Um, But no, I saw Candyman, and I thought it was fine. Yeah. I'm not going to five-minute fight you on it. I was hoping I would. Let me tell you the things I liked about it. Okay, okay. I thought the animation was really, really lovely. Yeah,
1: that's really cool, right?
0: I really liked it. Those little puppets? Yes. And it reminds me a little bit of some of the shadow puppetry work in the piano, Mm -hmm. which I think is really lovely. Uh, But it's not the same, but same world. And what I liked about it is that – you know how I hate a flashback. Mm -hmm. And I didn't hate this. Yeah. I thought this was a lovely way of demonstrating the storytelling. I also liked the exposition in the sense that I like kind of being immediately in this – loft and hearing the Candyman story recounted as a tall tale kind of thing. I and it's that a little different.
1: Nice. You know, it's a little incorrect.
0: Yes. It's a little incorrect, but I appreciated. it. Yeah. Her. Just to get that out of the way. And then I appreciated the visual references to Virginia Madsen's character mm-hmm. and to the to the actual story that was in the first film and hearing what supposedly Virginia Madsen's voice, which I is it actually her? It is. Her? It's yes. That's, it's
1: a little vocal cameo from yeah. Virginia.
0: I liked all of that. I agree with you that sometimes things, everyone, please, filmmakers, sometimes things work better as subtext. Yes. Having things so in your face and so on the, on the surface does not serve the story. Your audience is smarter than you think. Yes. So, And I actually will go on the record to say that I think that the films that stand the test of time – and the ones that make our list and that are in the canon, that the vast majority of the time, and there are exceptions to this, sometimes those ex- exceptions are for style. Sometimes those are ex- exceptions for performance. There's a long list of reasons why they might might be an exception. But overall, I think that films that have subtext and are leaving something to be uncovered by the audience and are working on multiple layers, that that is the key to standing the test of time with the film,
1: strongly agree. I mean, think about uh, *The Shining*, which has had at least one feature documentary made about unpacking right. the subtext of that film, which is as mysterious and inscrutable today as it always has been. Imagine if then, you know, Kubrick. Included a scene in in The Shining where uh, Jack Nicholson is like, "This is about the demons of alcoholism," which you know is essentially Stephen King's novel. You know he right. he strips all of the didactic sort of uh, hitting the head on uh, of the the viewer with the theme from that story and leaves it mysterious and provocative and still something that we love to speculate about and discuss and enjoy today. Yeah. And unfortunately. Um, this new Candyman does not learn that lesson. I I, I mean, the original Candyman is like that too. The original Candyman has uh, so much subtext. I mean, and this is something we discussed in the last um, What We're Watching sequence because I just saw it for the first time. Yeah, Um, There's so much... Uh, wonderful stuff to unpack about so uh, from that movie and think about um, and it, it you know it's scary and it's again provocative and interesting and thoughtful really thoughtful
0: And I you know even as that's what I'm saying too is even as a little kid mm-hmm. even as a little kid, Who hasn't been, hasn't had any visual literacy training, has not gone to film school, has not, you know, has done very little. At that point, I'm young. I haven't had that many English classes to talk about subtext. And I'm still watching Candyman and thinking something else is going on here. Right. Maybe I can't grasp it. Maybe I'm not exactly understanding what this film is saying at that age. But I am understanding that there is something else and it is alluring to me. Yes. So sometimes that's enough, by the way, even if you're, even if you don't want to just assume that your audience is smart. Even if you don't want to do that, They assume they're intuitive.
1: Yeah. And I, I don't want to detract too much from from the work that, that the director of this new Candyman, Nia, Nia DaCosta, did. I, I think the movie kind of fumbles the storytelling, as you said. It's just... It's just a little too much. Um, but there are some really lovely visual moments. In Agree. Movie.
0: And I'm not saying don't see it. I, yeah. I, I'm glad I saw it. I just I wish for more. And I think part of that is because of the potential. And mm-hmm. there are is there, there's super cool shots of people just walking. Yeah. That, I love that. kind of, Those 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 sort of uh, style, those style moments, those. Set pieces are really, really lovely. There's a lot of that in here. I appreciate that. I, I want more for this film, and that's my criticism.
1: I love the shots of the Chicago skyline where it's looking straight up at them and kind of like back. Yeah. Um, and Agreed. the tops of the buildings are disappearing into the clouds. I mean, that's just, that's really strong visually. But, um, you know, it just it it's a mixed bag ultimately, storytelling wise. Agreed. Um so agreed. Sorry, I'm sorry that you you agree with me, honestly, because I was hoping you would get more out of it than, than I did. But. yeah.
0: It's all there, it's all there to get. It's yeah. all it's right there on the surface. It is. And and you know, again, some cool stuff, worth your time, but don't go digging deep because you don't need to. No, you don't. So what have you been watching?
1: Well, I have been watching a ton of stuff. Um, We have been doing uh, the Toronto International Film Festival virtually. Um, Obviously, this year, Toronto is holding an in-person festival in addition to the virtual element. So they've not made available most of the big titles that they have been premiering, so I unfortunately don't have a report on on Dune or or Spencer or any number of the other big fall titles. But I I have seen a lot of stuff, yeah. so I can't feel too disappointed. I, I'm I'm going to see Dune and Spencer in theaters no matter what, right? So I've been checking out a lot of smaller titles. I want to highlight the ones that I've liked the most. Um, I'll start with a documentary feature from the directors of the Academy Award-winning feature *Free Solo*. Um, A couple years ago, that was it was a mountain climbing documentary that won Best uh, Documentary Feature. This team, uh, husband and wife directing team, um, have returned. With a new documentary called The Rescue, which is getting a release from National Geographic Films at some point in October, I believe. The Rescue is a documentary about the 2018 Thai cave rescue where the um, young soccer team of like. There were like 12 little boys and their coach went exploring in a uh, cave system in Thailand. There was a sudden flood that trapped them. And for like two weeks, the world was kind of captivated by the the attempt to rescue this soccer team from a really like – desperate situation um, this documentary is a wonderful look um, that mixes archival footage reenactment and contemporary interviews with many of the um, the, the people involved with the rescue um, that takes you step by step through exactly how this was accomplished and um, you know that was something that I didn't really pay attention to at the moment I saw headlines and things like that um, so seeing it Taken step by step and and showing how a team of British cave divers, these professionals who just kind of do cave diving as a hobby on a weekend, as if that's a hobby that people have, which I'll never understand. Um, They were called in because of their expertise to conduct this rescue. And um, God, it's just an amazing story Uh, and a really, really well done sort of suspenseful Despite knowing the outcome, um, and and crowd pleasing documentary feature that that I wouldn't be surprised um, if it ended up at the Academy Awards again.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: this year, yeah. Um, Really, really good stuff um, that I would very much like to catch on the big screen at some point if yeah. that's if that's an option. Preferable. Um, uh, the second thing I want to, to mention is a film that doesn't have distribution yet. I, I hope that changes. It's the new film uh, from the British director Terence Davies. And and Terrence Davies last made a film called A Quiet Passion starring Cynthia Nixon, which was about the poet Emily Dickinson. Right. Uh, one of my favorite movies of whatever year that came out, 2017, I think. Um, Really, you know, literate, beautifully written, beautifully shot story that's basically just a lot of people talking in rooms, right? But I love a good movie. With people talking in rooms. Well, his latest is called Benediction, and I think this is kind of a perfect movie. Uh, Benediction is a biopic about another poet, a gentleman named Siegfried Sassoon, who became a very well-known poet uh, during and immediately after World War One because he wrote some very scathing um, poems about uh, military leadership and the senseless death that he, uh, as a soldier, saw during World War I. Um, he was also gay um, at a time where that's not really a thing, you know, that you can be open about in England. And the movie takes us through his experiences in the sort of uh, semi underground sort of known, but not known scene uh, in England at the time. He has uh, romantic dalliances with um, other entertainers and writers and and artists of his day, um, all the while struggling with what we now call post-traumatic stress disorder from his time in the war. Um, Then the movie jumps ahead to him as an old man uh, much, much later in his life uh, as he sort of reflects upon everything that he's lived through. Um, It's a brilliantly made movie. It's really, really wonderful. It's beautifully written. I have no idea when and how anybody is going to get to see this movie. But if you like the films of Terrence Davies and they, they are an acquired taste. They right. are slow. They're very deliberate. But if you like these movies, um, this is one of his best uh, movie. I really loved. And, and third, and I'll probably cut off here because I could go on right. um, another perfect movie from a filmmaker. I don't think it will surprise you to know uh, that I think that her latest film is perfect from from Celine Sciamma, the director yes. of Portrait of a Lady on right. Fire. Her latest film is called Petite Maman, um, and it is a 72 minute just beautiful little jewel of a movie uh, about a little girl who has just lost her grandmother and her her own mother is very very sad and kind of lost in her feelings um, so this little girl is taken to her mother's childhood home as her parents uh, who seem distant from one another um, pack up the home and, and get everything ready you know in the recent wake of the, the death of her grandmother uh so this little girl goes outside into the woods where her mom used to play as a child. Um she's lonely, she's kind of bored and and she meets another little girl. And that is all I want to tell you about this movie because the oh. the brilliance uh of this and and the title kind of clues you in on what this movie's doing. I don't want to give it away because you know, the brilliance of this movie is is Falling under the spell of what Siyama is doing. Um, and then, you know, she just packs so much emotion uh, and feeling into this very, very brief runtime. I just flipped for this movie completely. I loved it, head over heels for it. Um, it is so sweet. It is so lovely. Uh, it is the sort of movie that people should see with their parents. Uh, or with their children, um, because there's nothing really inappropriate about it or, you know, harrowing about it that young children I mean young children probably won't appreciate it, honestly, but but you could. Um in any event, it's just everything about it's great. I love it. I don't want to oversell it because it is so short and it is so difficult Seventy two minute runtime, I love yeah. that though. I mean, it's I mean what what's not to love about that? But it packs so much into it. Yeah and, and you know she did it again. That's I right. we 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 stopped that movie and I was like of course of course she did it but she did it again. Um it's probably, you know, it's probably not as good as Portrait of a Lady on Fire because
0: Masterwork. that that movie is Masterwork. Portrait
1: of a Lady on Fire. Um but you know what a what a great filmmaker Celine Sciamma is and uh, what a great film uh petite maman is now neon has this our friends at neon are, are going to distribute this i don't know when they haven't set a date for it yep. as far as i know could be the end of this year could they be could sometime have next just year in the last
0: hour put it on there that it's coming out next week
1: i mean hey, that is the
0: way things work now
1: if it does go see it uh because you will cry and it is <laughs> the best um, so yeah, those are the three highlights of of TIFF 2021 for me so far. Um, I've got a couple more films I'm going to try to squeeze in over the last uh, couple days of the festival. Um, pretty good festival so far. Pretty good programming. I've seen some stuff uh, that I've really, really enjoyed. Um, so a lot still to look forward to that I haven't gotten a chance to see, like you know, Jane Campion's got a movie that everybody loves, and I can't wait to see it, um, that, that is, is really, really um, impressing critics on the festival circuit. Um, and then you know, some of the others that I've mentioned, I uh, can't wait to see those. But um, what I have gotten to see, I've been very pleased with.
0: Retractions.
1: Womp womp.
0: It's not really though. Okay. I mean it kind of, it falls under the umbrella, but you know, we talked about Atlantic City yeah. many episodes ago and you were having a little trouble thing of stuff, but you you did come up with snake eyes. That yeah. was one of the ones you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and when I say came up with, I mean we said what films were shot in Atlantic City on our pick a city s- segment and you know you, you came up with a couple of things Yeah. but there as we mentioned there was as there's actually quite a bit that's been either shot there fully or partially Yeah. and so I've got a few more titles that I just okay. want to highlight it, so it's really not a, a big mistake as a matter of fact I want to confirm that you were correct that 1998 Snake Eyes was indeed Hell yeah. shot in Atlantic City so you were right so not a retraction just an addition so maybe it was just let me redo it addition <laughs> okay one of my favorite films, okay. not on my top 200 list, probably not on my top 500, but one I enjoy a lot. And the last time I dusted off this VHS tape and put it in, I was so happy I did. It is from 1985, Cat's Eye.
1: Oh, Cat's Eye was, oh, is the smoking?
0: Some portion of it, and I, oh. I some portion of it was indeed shot in Atlantic City.
1: The the smokers, the, the, the quitting smoking sequence in there, I, I feel like that, that rings guess. a bell. Yeah. James um, Woods, pretty good.
0: Empire Records. I didn't know that. Huh. And I mean, again, maybe we'll do another additions and dig a little deeper into the origins of, of the scenes and whatnot because yeah. that, that could be fun. But, you know, this is the, certainly some portion of this was shot in Atlantic City. Godfather Part 3.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. At least a sequence or two, right? Yep. Because it's, it's all about the casino thing.
0: Yeah. And then so makes sense. Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And Set then, in Vegas though, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: And then a film that I actually like a lot, which I also believe was shot in Vegas, but again, one, you know, one retraction leads to another retraction. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I haven't seen this since it came out, but Rounders.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Rounders was, Rounders is, is kind of like a, I mean, it's, it's pretty good. It was one of those like dude movies that like when I was a teenager was really popular with like dude bros like i enjoyed it like like american psycho and right. like fight club but but rounders is good i mean i remember it being good um
0: on revisiting maybe i won't like it i do remember thinking this is 20 minutes or 30 minutes too long
1: it's a little too long but, it's, but i like you know it. It, it's a, it's a poker movie and it's got all those good actors in it I, I remember it being more than satisfactory and entertaining
0: too so all these films make sense they're all shot in some part in atlantic city yeah. You know, I think the one I'm most surprised by, as you sort of raised an eyebrow at, too, is Empire Records. Yeah,
1: that's weird.
0: So maybe I'll look a little deeper into what exactly of that was shot in Atlantic City. Certainly not all of it, Yeah, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: I'd be curious to know that, too.
0: So anyway, that's films that were shot in Atlantic City in some in part or portion. Thank you for listening to Side Talks Podcast sponsored by Revelator Coffee. We are your own personal cinematic steak and ale and sizzler.
1: Oh boy. <laughs> well, if you, had to, choose, up, if you had to choose. that up, If you had to choose. I don't know.
0: I, I actually, this is a person you're talking to right now who, as you know, I do not eat meat. That's true. I am pescatarian, So uh-huh. I have a little fish here and there for those who are interested. We are moving this into a food podcast. Now, and, but I have to tell you, man, oh man, when, when steak and ale was still alive and kicking and there was one in Birmingham, I love steak and ale. Hmm. Okay. I'm a vegetarian who love, they had sunflower seeds on their salad bar. Oh yeah. They had thematic glasses. Everything was, <laughs> <laughs> everything was like old, old England lodge themed. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate that. I appreciate when they bring the bread and there's a knife stuck in it. Like yeah. Hell yeah. You know. Uh, I really I miss a steak and ale.
1: I miss thematic glassware in general. Right.
0: You go. You, you, it's not like you can just pull up nowadays to a Red Lobster and get a lighthouse glass
1: I anymore. know. That's ridiculous. It's bullshit. What are we doing anymore, guys? What the are we doing? The world's going to hell. I tell you. It's
0: fucking, we are the virus.
1: Um, so thanks to Revelator Coffee again for sponsoring us. Thanks to boutwell Studios for putting up with us. Uh, what else do we say here? Oh, Side, sidewalkfest.com?
0: Sidewalk yeah, sidewalkfest.com. Um, Anyway, if anybody knows how to operate a time machine and can take me back to the days of fancy themed glassware and knives and bread, uh, meet me out front of Batwell Studios. I saw
1: two dudes out in the parking lot in a phone booth. They could probably help you out.
0: I'm on my way. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.